Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Thank you for joining us for the second episode in our two-part podcast series covering summer travel for non-citizens. Today, we will discuss travel while an H-1B petition is pending, travel while in the green card process, emergency advance parole, and more. This is Immigration and Summer Travel, Part 2 with Ogletree Deacons. I'm Christina Kelly, and I'm an associate at Ogletree Deacon's Boston office. We are happy to welcome back Claudia Martorell, a shareholder out of our San Diego office. Claudia, thank you for continuing our discussion on summer travel. Of course, happy to be here again. It seems like everyone these days is waiting on a green card approval. For those with a pending I-485 application, and specifically those with an underlying single intent status like E3, F1, TN, H1B1, or O1 status, among others, what are the potential implications of travel on a pending green card application? This is definitely a hot topic these days, as there are a lot of individuals with still pending AOS applications due to lengthy USCIS processing times. Travel implications are primarily dependent on two major considerations. The first is an individual's non-immigrant status underlying the pending AOS application. And the second is whether or not the individual has an approved advanced parole or AP document. Individuals who have a single intent underlying non-immigrant visa status, such as E3, F1, TN, H1B1, and O1, can run into issues if they travel while their AOS application is pending. Every time an individual enters using a single intent status, that individual is effectively asserting that they have the intent to enter the U.S. for a temporary period and then leave at the end of their stay. By contrast, filing an AOS application specifically requires that the individual intend to remain permanently in the U.S., This can create a conflict in the intent required for the AOS application versus the non-immigrant admission into the U.S., which can end up potentially causing problems for both the AOS application and the individual's non-immigrant status. Individuals who were in a single intent status when they filed their AOS will need an advanced parole document for travel because leaving the U.S. without an advanced parole results in abandonment of the AOS application. How would your answer change for those with an underlying dual intent status like H-1B or L-1 status? Those who are already in H-1B or L-1 status and have an AOS application pending can re-enter the U.S. without being concerned about conflicting intent issues. This is because dual intent statuses such as H-1B and L-1 allow the individual to simultaneously assert an intent to remain temporarily in the U.S., while allowing them at the same time to have the intent to apply for a green card in the U.S. As long as they were maintaining H-1B or L-1 status when they departed the U.S., they may use an existing or a new visa stamp to re-enter the U.S. For those who hold a valid H-1B or L-1 visa stamp, are in valid H-1B or L-1 status, and already have an approved advanced parole document, they would have two means by which they could travel. Which travel document should they choose to use? 
This is really a personal preference. Those traveling using an AP document versus the visa stamp may experience more delays at the port of entry. They may be sent to secondary inspection upon arrival to the U.S. for verification purposes, but do not need a visa stamp, as I previously mentioned. Individuals who choose to travel using an H-1B or L-1 visa stamp should keep in mind that they must still present documentation evidencing their current status as they normally would, including a stamped I-129S form, an approval notice, and sometimes even pay stubs. While we're on the subject of those holding H-1B status, let's talk a bit about those with H-1B cap cases pending. How does travel impact an F-1 student with a pending H-1B cap case? In true lawyer fashion, I'm going to say that it depends. The impact of travel in these cases really depends on the type of H-1B cap filing that was submitted, as well as the status of that petition, meaning is it still pending or has it been approved? Individuals whose employers have filed an H-1B petition requesting consular approval may travel even while that petition is pending, as long as they continue maintaining their non-immigrant status and are able to re-enter in that status. F-1 students should consider checking in with their DSO before traveling to ensure all their documentation, such as their I-20s and SEVIS records, are up to date. Students with consular H-1B approvals will need to travel abroad to activate their H-1B by obtaining an H-1B visa. They may enter the U.S. 10 days before the H-1B takes effect, but they may not start working until the H-1B takes effect on October 1st. Individuals whose employers have filed a change of status petition, however, may be impacted by international travel while their case is pending. This can result in a denial of the change of status request due to abandonment if USCIS realizes they left and no longer have a status to change from. USCIS may still approve the H-1B petition as a consular approval, meaning that an individual may not automatically change to H-1B status on October 1st and may need to travel abroad to activate their H-1B status. Travel with an approved H-1B change of status before October 1st is possible, even for those in cap-gap period, as long as the individual is able to document F-1 status, as the H-1B change of status will not take effect until October 1st. Travelers should keep in mind that travel after October 1st with an approved H-1B change of status petition may require applying for an H-1B visa stamp at a consulate abroad before re-entering the U.S. in H-1B status. Let's move briefly back to those who are starting their green card process with a PERM or I-140 petition. How does having an approved or pending PERM or I-140 impact someone's ability to travel internationally? The short answer is that most of the time it doesn't. If someone just started the PERM process, has a certified PERM, or has a pending or approved I-140, but has not yet filed the I-45 or AOS adjustment of status application, then that person could travel as they regularly would using their authorized non-immigrant visa status. In other words, someone in TN status, for example, should not be denied TN admission solely on that basis if they can still establish that their intended TN stay in the U.S. will be temporary. During the pandemic, a lot of people have had situations in which they needed to travel urgently to visit a very sick relative, perhaps, or to attend a family wedding. Many of these individuals have had long pending advanced parole applications because of extended processing times at USCIS. Could you provide a quick overview of who can apply for emergency advanced parole and what the process looks like? 
Absolutely. Individuals seeking to expedite their already pending AP applications should keep in mind that the bar is very high for what is considered an urgent need to expedite the adjudication of the application. USCIS may consider an expedite request for a circumstance involving one of the following or a combination of the following. Severe financial loss to a company or a person, emergencies or urgent humanitarian reasons, a nonprofit organization whose request is in furtherance of the cultural or social interests of the United States, cases identified as urgent by the U.S. government, or clear USCIS error. Individuals who are seeking to travel even for important but foreseen reasons, such as for a family member's wedding, for a vacation, or to visit family and friends, would likely not qualify for expedited processing. Again, the bar is quite high. A situation where an expedite request might be approved is in the event of a death or a serious illness of a close family member. Those who believe they meet the requirements for an expedite request can call the USCIS Customer Service Center and place their request, and then send USCIS any additional evidence of the urgent need for approval, such as doctor's notes for a sick relative, etc. Instructions are available on the USCIS website. I get a lot of questions from individuals traveling to U.S. destinations such as Puerto Rico, the U.S. Virgin Islands, or Hawaii. What are the requirements for travel to these types of U.S. destinations? Travel to these destinations is the same as if one were to travel within the continental U.S. Travelers may want to consider bringing documentation of status with them when they travel, regardless, to show maintenance of status. Thank you, Claudia, for sharing your knowledge with our listeners. Absolutely. Tune in next month when we will be talking about the Child Status Protection Act. Until then, take care and be well. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.